This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. Welcome into the Huskies Warming House podcast, episode number 120 here on the Huskies Warming House podcast. Myself, Noah Grant, alongside Nick Maxson here on this Monday evening, moving into Tuesday morning or whenever you're listening to our show in the middle of July here. It is just about state fair time in North Dakota. I don't want to hear about the Minnesota State Fair. I I, I don't want to hear about it either, honestly. Yeah. That means the end of summer is coming. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, we're not quite into August yet, but we're getting there slowly but surely. This summer has definitely, uh, they seem to go faster and faster every year that you're on this rock. So it must be a warp speed for the man joining me to the left on your screen if you're looking on the YouTube channel. So, uh, you know, Nick, uh, it's interesting. We've got a lot of things to discuss here in today's show. And, uh, you know, it, it was a jam-packed week. I think that's safe to say. Uh, for sure, uh, our opening topics are going to talk a lot about Hockey Canada. Rick Westhead giving us some more information as well as some news outlets uh, related to that. It's not a fun topic, but there's a lot of new things that we were hoping for, but maybe didn't expect this quickly. And there's a lot of change in the wind here um, with this uh, process going on. Main portion of the show is going to be all things free agency, everything leading up to it. And uh, from day one onward, it was a frenzy and a half. And we've got a lot of deals, signings, trades. Um, If you were somebody who ended up staying in the same town that you were in, you were maybe lucky because it seemed like there was a lot of movement in the National Hockey League. And, uh, hey, at the tail end of that, we'll talk a little bit about a Minnesota Wild uh, trade that happened that apparently involves some goaltenders. I don't know. Sometimes there's an issue, I guess. Um, no foreshadowing there at all. Yeah, no kidding. Well, speaking of foreshadowing, how about some backtracking as well to our final topic, our extra ice session. We're actually going to talk about some uh, big things that are coming up for our show and a little bit of a deep dive as to really how we got here, what our identity has been and kind of what to expect from us moving forward. We've never really had a discussion that has been this in depth before on the show. And uh, it's been two years and change in the making and we're excited to have it with all of our listeners and viewers here. So without further ado, we'll start at the top end of the show with the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup and Center Ice View news and notes center ice view news and notes center ice view provides you with the best coverage of st cloud state huskies hockey from game notes recaps photos and more go to centericeview.com center ice view news and notes noah huskies illustrated weekly roundup and uh it's more than a roundup. It's more of like a recap. Yeah. Um, so many things going on. Um, a lot of 
front office stuff uh, here early. And uh, this one's a little bit surprising, Noah. We're starting with the Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche. Uh, they promote uh, McFarland to general manager. And they name Joe Sackick as the president of hockey operations. So after winning the Stanley Cup, Joe Sackick and McFarland get a promotion. So not even uh, just the yeah. roster changing in Colorado, some front office changes as well. Um, but I think the bigger change that fans may notice, and mind you, whether you're a fan of the game uh, as a close fan or maybe even a casual fan, this one will probably uh, most people recognize. How about this? After 16 seasons in the television booth in the Windy City, Eddie Oldchuck um, will leave Chicago, his contract not renewed, and he's joining the Seattle Kraken. Uh, for Root Sports, that actually starts this offseason. And you know, this surprises me just slightly. Um, this is small quid. It's because you had uh, JT Brown, a, a former NHL player, former Minnesota Wild player, albeit, uh, take the reins there with John Forslund um, on the television broadcast. I thought was making some pretty big strides. Uh, but I wonder with Eddie Oldchuck uh, and sort of the name draw that he has, I wonder if this wasn't an opportunity Seattle couldn't pass up on with JT yeah. Brown's contract only a season, but this is a pretty star studded broadcasting in Seattle. Also joining ice side reporter um, and former St. Close day Husky uh, Piper Shaw also there um, on a very talented broadcast team. Yeah. You know, the challenging thing I think here is, you know, root sports is kind of its own entity. Obviously you have Bally sports kind of reaching out, you know, for a lot of these things. And then you've also have, you know, the national affiliates for NBC in various cities as well. And then on top of that, ESPN, TNT, things like that. Uh, root sports is kind of just its own little kind of market, so to speak. And a couple of teams have this, but I think it's a big get for Seattle kind of try to grow their brand you know they were an expansion team that really didn't give themselves a chance to have any sort of like flourish or or, or big pizzazz after essentially their draft last year to enter the league they, they really were kind of a, a quiet non-story throughout last season and this maybe is you know a little bit of a voice that like you mentioned jt brown former nhl player eddie olchek as well though you know and he's been in broadcast booths both on national and local side for a long time and i think he's going to be a great face for them and definitely going to bring some good veteran experience not on the ice but off the ice 100 percent uh speaking of off the ice as we transition going a little bit quicker today noah because there is a lot of ground yeah. to cover uh veteran defenseman andre sekera retiring from the national hockey league after 16 seasons as a player um, 842 career games, um, but probably biggest career highlight, and this is for the stats nerds out there. Hmm, I wonder who wrote this one. Uh, projected war of 99% in 2017 for Edmonton and for Noah. For those who aren't, um, you know, the sabermetrics type, what does that mean? Yeah, it means that the man was very, very valuable at uh, defending around his own crease. He was a guy that statistically, I mean, he had whatever it was, 230-some points in 800 games. So, you know, 0.2 to 0.25, you know, points per game, which is nothing crazy for a defenseman, not bad. But he was somebody who was so good, you know, as a 200-foot player, especially as a defenseman on both sides of the puck, that um, he... If you want to talk about, you know, someone jumping into the analytics game for the first time, he is the epitome of a player who is a diamond in the rough or maybe isn't flashy in terms of the eye test, but statistically and underlying statistics definitely carries the mail in terms of being a highly productive and highly valuable player. And that's why he was able to stay for so long. And it was interesting, his retirement, he talked about it too. 
Um, it actually ended up coming down, unfortunately, to some family decisions. Uh, you know, it didn't come down to an injury or anything like that. I mean, obviously, he's getting up there in age, but uh, his son, a uh, young son, was actually going through some medical issues and thought that, you know, the family time was much needed. He got some offers in free agency, but um, I guess he just felt it was time to move on. So, uh, Nick, wishing him the best of luck. Andre Secker, I mean, he just he was never a name that you really, you know, thought about much in the National Hockey League, but just w- had one heck of a career. It really did. And you talk about steady defensemen, right? Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, wasn't really um, the offensive threat, not sort of the new age defenseman that we're seeing where he had quick feet. He was more of that old school defenseman that was more the stay at home guy, could play both ways, could generate offense here and there, but he wasn't going to be, say, a driver of possession. He wasn't going to be the guy that maybe skated out of his own zone, uh, really excelled in terms of you know being a physical presence. Uh, angling and making sure pucks were funneled to those, you know, non-scoring uh, chance areas. So yeah. good, simple, good hockey player and more, as you mentioned, reliable. He, he was never really long-term injured. He was, you know, I guess sustainable is the better word. Uh, so just an all-around just reliable piece for any team that he was a part of be on their roster. Yeah, certainly. Well, let's talk about anything but reliable here. We're actually already at the last oh, topic boy. here. <laughs> We're actually already at the last topic of the Huskies Illustrated with you roundup, but it's a doozy here and we want to get into it. Uh, latest developments from the Hockey Canada saga that is going on. A lot of this information coming from various media outlets, of course, TSN, obviously. And then we also did get a chance to glance once again at the Steve Dangle podcast and TSN's Rick Westhead, who's been the primary reporter on this one, uh, actually sat down with them for about 28 minutes. If you haven't gotten a chance to share Check it out. Highly, highly would recommend. Uh, Rick has some really great things to say um, uh, in, in a not so great light. Uh, so I, we should start by uh, you know sending out the same warning that they did. This podcast uh, today does contain descriptions of sexual abuse. It may not be suitable for all audiences. So we want to get that out there before we start here. So for those of you who haven't been following this story, just kind of a general recap. And this is uh, put together very eloquently by Rick. So I kind of wanted to uh, put it together the way that he did. Um, and there are some changes to even the initial story that was reported. So um, the female victim did allege uh, June 2018. So remember, this involves the 2018 gold medal winning World Junior Championship team from Canada. Um, this was following a Hockey Canada Gala and golf tournament event in London, Ontario in 2018, like we mentioned. Uh, she returned to a hotel room with one of the players. Uh, who's one of the John Doe's listed. So there's eight John Doe's in this story. John Doe won, um, and she had consensual sex with him. After that, um, this John Doe one allowed into the room John Doe's uh, two through eight, uh, and over the span of hours, she was repeatedly sexually assaulted. When the attacks were over, she was directed to have a shower and be on video saying that she was sober. Um, and then she alleges she was pressured not to tell anyone about this and that if police questioned her, she was pressured not to cooperate with an investigation. This was all within the statement of claim that was found by Rick Westhead when he was able to go through the file um, at, in, in the legal process. Um, so what have we learned since then, Nick? Uh, a couple of things here. Um, the woman's stepfather immediately the day after called Hockey Canada, who met with their insurance agents and then hired a law firm to investigate out of Toronto. Um, the players of that team back in 2018, when this came about, though, they were not required to participate in the investigation. Correct. And this was all discussed at the recent hearings opened by the Canadian government. There's two more of these left on the 26th and 27th of July so far. Um some reports say that only four players participated on this team and others say as many as 14 of them participated. So some wildly varying counts, which is extremely concerning. Um, but the big talking point here, Nick, um, 
They've now reopened this investigation. They've now issued subpoenas for both officials and players to potentially testify. And if players refuse to testify, they will not be allowed into any events related to Hockey Canada. So we have some more to go on with this here, but I want to start there, Nick. This was a thing that you had specifically talked about and you said, unless we get to this point where we reopen an investigation, we're not going to get anywhere. And before we talk about the second half of what we've found, how big is this for just getting the ball rolling and finding out more about where we all need to go with these multiple investigations? It's big and it isn't too, Noah. And the reason why I say it it isn't, uh, but but I guess maybe before I go there, what's big is, you know, you've got to give a little bit of credit here. Now, granted, Hockey Canada, uh, part of that new age information was, I think originally they claimed they weren't aware of the investigation, and yet some of the new reporting suggests they knew it pretty much right away. Immediately, yeah. Immediately. So that uh, doesn't bode well for for them, at least out of the gate. the fact that they're reopening this um, is something. Now, again, I keep going back to the non-disclosure agreement. I'm wondering, even if yeah. this whole thing goes through a process, right? And, and actually, to give credit to you, Noah, you said that you know you kind of wonder if some players would make public statements that I wasn't present or this wasn't me, and you kind of have this you know trial by elimination essentially uh, with some of this. You kind of wonder if more of that's to come. I, I think already two players that we know of have done this. Um, does more happen or do be me by the legal process? I mean, you kind of wonder if more players who wish to do it maybe don't do it. I don't know. Uh, but you kind of wonder even after all that is said and done, will any of this be made public? Yeah. And this is where that non-disclosure comes in. So I'm glad this is happening. Again, this is a huge step um, for both the victim as well as for Hockey Canada to try to figure out where maybe some holes can be filled, um, you know, in terms of, what happened uh but again you kind of wonder what any of this if any will be made public and i also believe too know on top of hockey canada the national hockey league is also uh sort of a, a part of the wagon to try to make sure that the players who have been subpoenaed actually follow through with that as well if i'm not correct yeah there's a lot of moving parts here it was also alleged that sport canada so that's the essentially the governing body for all of canada sport um, when it comes to these things, was notified of the occurrence immediately back in 2018. They give millions of dollars every year to Hockey Canada. Um, the, the next question mark, what have they done? Where were they involved in this process as well, too? And this may be a bigger issue than just Hockey Canada if it moves to this level. So um, there's a couple of things. You talk about that non-disclosure agreement here, Nick, and this gets into the second, second half of what we were talking about. And there's a difference between a civil and a criminal lawsuit. So a civil lawsuit, there's statute of limitations on things that you can accuse people for. With a criminal lawsuit, there is not. And from our understanding, this new investigation backwards. is a crim- is Backwards. Criminal no, alert. Should be criminal as statute of limitations. Accord, accord, according to what Rick West said, he said, he said in Canada... Oh, yeah, no, yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, I that part. yeah, <laughs> there's there's no statute. Yeah, yeah. Oh, other country. Yeah. Um, from what he said, and apologies if I am misremembering this, but from what I have noted um, from the transcript, he said that, uh, yeah, that criminal investigations did not have the statute of limitations as far as the Canadian government goes. Um, and that begs the question, uh, you know, we'll get to the big question in a second, but months prior to this incident, you know, why was this non-disclosure agreement sign because the big issue is that when the settlement was filed most of these even when you reach a settlement agreement it takes months or even years to get to that point this case was open and three weeks later before rick westhead was even able to essentially get a definitive answer in his journalism reporting 
this case was done, signed, sealed, delivered, and closed. So um, months prior to the incident actually occurring, um, there was a reporter that was actually uh, reporting on London police. So remember, this happened in London, Ontario, and they were actually reported on for failing these policemen and women for failing to identify signs of assault and even challenging victim testimony or dismissing it outright when it came to them coming to the police station and reporting. So think about if you're a victim and you've read this, why would you ever want to come forward and talk about some of these things? And he, uh, Rick made a crazy comment and he said, statistics have shown in recent years that victims of childhood abuse, childhood abuse, the average reporting age for their first reporting of the incident is when they're over 50 years of age. So that kind of gives wow. you an idea of where we're at. Um, now, the big question that everyone wants to know the answer to with a criminal investigation, the victim, hallelujah, um, and wishing her the best, obviously, has now agreed to participate, and it is now a criminal lawsuit. And Rick was asked this directly on the show, is there an instance or a circumstance that could exist where the names are publicly announced? And he said, absolutely. Yeah, people in our courts of law are held accountable for sexual assault every day. So because you're a pro hockey player, why would it be any different? There could all be also be talks of contract termination for NHL players or even criminal action, depending on what is found. So Nick, that's kind of all the updates we have, but this, this is a, an extreme change of pace from what we reported yeah. on a month ago. Huge change of pace. And again, you know, the right balls are in motion. Yeah. Uh, question is, you know, where does it lead? You know, mm -hmm. are there going to be any stalls that we are, um, yeah. don't foresee, right? Because you know that some of these um, defense lawyers are going to bring up an NDA um, and say yeah. hey, this was a science deliver case. And well, now that if it's turned criminal, right, um, does that bypass some of these things? So this is going to be interesting to watch. And again, um, try not to speak for you, Noah, but at least for me, you know, you hope that, you know, the resolution here is, you know, does the victim in this case, you know, you can't turn back the clock and undo what was done, but does maybe some of the outcomes afford that victim with some of the necessary help that she may need uh, to be able to, you know, cope with some of these things? Because, you know, it's one thing to go through it, but almost like it's going through it multiple times over when you have to participate, you have to remember certain details and, and names and, you know, those those can be just as traumatic as well. So you just kind of hope that at some point after all of a sudden that there's some closure and yeah. that uh, you know, there's the right resources for the folks, especially the the victim in this case, to be able to be able to take small but meaningful steps forward. Yeah, uh, you know, and, uh, Rick kind of uh, closed with you know the question of you know what can people like us do or people just you know in general society do? And he goes, "We're doing it right now. We're putting a spotlight on this, and that has really changed uh, you know the light in which this." process has been looked upon and really changed a lot of things. So we're on to the next steps. We're definitely going to keep an eye on it. But, you know, I can't help thinking, uh, you know, at some point we may see NHL players that are no longer with their NHL teams or even worse come out of this. And it's kind of a crazy thought because, you know, yes, we've seen a lot of wild things. I mean, the Slava Voinov incident for, you know, domestic oh, yes. abuse and things like that. But those have felt fairly few and far between when it has come at the national hockey league level and this could be an unprecedented event or a, an exodus of certain players from the national hockey league so we'll definitely keep an eye on it as well next so um with that being said that's actually it for the huskies illustrated weekly roundup we're going to head on to a very beefy main portion of the show where we talk all things free agency
And welcome into the Huskies Warming House podcast, episode number 120. Nick Maxson joining myself, Noah Grant. Nick, uh, an insane day one of free agency, uh, you know, none of which had to uh, be in light of our scheduling here. As of course, we're scheduling uh, a day and a half later than we had anticipated because of uh, things going on. So it's been a crazy world out there. I will say for this upcoming week's show, I think we should have a normal Sunday release. Um, as far as I understand, it's the week after that we're going to have um, a different release time. I know that for a fact. And then after that, it should hopefully kind of return back to normal. We'll have to see. Um, we always say that. And then, you know, the fans, yeah, the fan <laughs> somehow gets covered with uh, a humane substance. But nonetheless, Nick, um, insane day one of free agency. Um, and I kind of broke this down a little bit here, Nick, so we can talk about these two. I really was talking about like the big fish, essentially. You know, who are the two big signings here? We got to start with the first one. Johnny Goudreau yeah, to the goodness. Columbus Blue Jackets, seven wow. years, $68.25 million. Um, moments after they had signed 30-year-old Eric Branson to a four-year deal with $4 million average annual value. We're actually going to talk about the Branson deal because that's the big one. No. Yeah. Um, no. Johnny Goudreau <laughs> leaving nearly $16 million on the table before taxes to join Columbus. And, Nick, uh, I, I do want to inject mm. a, a, bit, a bit of humor into this. Um, sure. Is that... Uh, CBC Calgary reporter Andrew Brown um, essentially had finished one of his broadcasts and then tweeted at Columbus's NBC affiliate, you know, hey, I'm here and I'm cheap. Uh, Fox 29 Columbus actually responded to this video. So they do have Fox 29, 28's response, excuse me, and Andrew's original quote from CBC Calgary on there. And honestly, I thought it was too good to, to miss. So uh, I think we're going to throw it up on, on the show here. Goudreau is coming here to play for about a million dollars less per season than Calgary was offering for him to stay. I think Calgary is clearly still in mourning and, you know, maybe transitioning into the anger phase now. Yeah, check out how CBC Calgary news anchor Andrew Brown ended his newscast last night. And that's the news for now. I'll be back here at 11 unless a news station in Columbus offers me way less money. And I'll probably go do that. Here's your five-day forecast. <laughs> okay, all right. Now, that was pretty quick, right? Right. So make sure you heard it correctly. Watch it again. And that's the news for now. I'll be back here at 11, unless a news station in Columbus offers me way less money. And I'll probably go do that. Here's your five-day forecast. So well, salty. I know, but Andrew Brown, news anchor, <laughs> your ship just came in from Columbus. Because we here at Fox 28 News at 10 happen to be flush with cash. So, Stacia, tell them all about our generous offer. Well, Bob, Andrew, we're offering you the job of exclusive Johnny Goudreau beat reporter, finally nightly reports on Johnny Hockey here on the nation's most watched Fox 10 o'clock newscast and our sister station, ABC6. And Marshall, what are we prepared to pay? Well, Andrew, the check is already cut, and we are going to pay you <laughs> way less money. Now, we're going to make sure it's way less money, and we're going to pay you in Canadian funds. That's right, and unlike where you're working now, Andrew, we're paying for this. You see the signature there, not taxpayers, so it's guaranteed. We hope to hear from you soon so you can know what Johnny Hockey knows, that Columbus is a fabulous place to live. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, pretty good stuff there, Nick. And, you know, to kind of cap it off, 
to kind of cap it off, and this is something I think you, especially as a as a primo media guy, can can enjoy. Uh, Andrew Brown actually ended up jumping on Fox 28's uh, broadcast and talking about it as well too. Uh, and yes. he actually had tweeted before that he asked his Twitter followers for advice. Uh, you know, it was like, "Hey, they've given me everything I wanted. What do you think I should do?" Um, and this is not, <laughs> this is not the first time that he's done this. When Edmonton actually, when the Oilers eliminated the Flames uh, in this year's playoffs, he said, "Thanks for watching, and remember, you." can accomplish anything you set your mind to unless Connor mcdavid also wants that thing so <laughs> so you know a, a, an extremely interesting uh storyline here nick i don't think a lot of us anticipated that johnny goudreau was going to end up in columbus but it turns out for family reasons uh the team that was probably most anticipating that it was either going to be columbus new jersey or philadelphia was actually the calgary flames himself it really was and uh i think we're going to touch on philly for sure, um, <laughs> because uh, it, in Johnny Goudreau's case, there are some pretty interesting rumblings about that whole process that uh, yeah. Johnny Goudreau was essentially, from what I understand, high in Philadelphia, but apparently the Philadelphia did was not on the same page. Yeah, um, apparently real big issues with cap space and New Jersey was the only other front runner that could match the amount that Columbus had. Um, and it just came down between the Devils and Columbus. And I guess... There's been this knock on Columbus and the Blue Jackets for a long time. And from sure. what I've read in The Athletic and what Johnny Gaudreau has said in recent days is that the, a lot of the players don't understand it. They say the fan base is good. They say the city is a great place to live in. The team has had some raw years, obviously. But Columbus might be a more interesting destination than a lot of us give it credit for. And again, you, you talk about, I mean, what's what's compared? I think the, the best comparable, say, is, you know, the Florida Panthers. Uh, yeah. You know, and the reason I say that it is location wise, um, it's Miami. Let's be real, right? Yeah. That's not a bad place to to be able to go out of a hockey rink and, uh, you know, be able to relax. Uh, Columbus is a good city. Um, Columbus, yes. I mean, I think that the, the common denominator is the lack of playoff success. And it's funny because let's trigger Wild fans here for a second. Columbus <laughs> has had Artemi Panarin. They've had Rick Nash. And now they have Johnny Gaudreau. They've had more superstars than the Minnesota Wild have had. Yeah. And they, well, the one thing they don't have is they don't have a, as many first round playoff losses as the Wild do. So I guess they're winning in that regards. Uh, but I digress. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting because, you know, with Columbus, it, it has not been so called, you know, a, maybe a marquee city for a lot of fans. Um, I think the big thing with Columbus is, you know, with Rick Nash and even Artemi Panarin, besides when they threw pretty much their entire future with Matt Duchesne and a few others at that, um, at that, they just haven't really had a core of players where they've been able to be consistently like a playoff threat. Yeah. And I think that's kind of why they've, they're kind of in sort of that second tier of fans perspectives. Now with Yarmar Kekalainen, who's been there for quite some time, the Blue Jackets GM, this is huge for him, I think, too, is he's getting a rock star free agency who had a very quiet 115 point season, if I'm correct. Yeah, um, it just unreal. Right. And so, A, can he replicate that success? And two, more importantly, what can they build around him? Um, there's some lingering RFA um, statuses in Columbus, and uh, it's going to be up to Kekalainen to uh, to get this right because uh, Columbus with Johnny Gaudreau is should be a, a playoff contender in the Eastern Conference. Uh, yeah. But again, it's it's a stacked Eastern Conference. So there's a lot of great teams. Uh, so you have to play your cards right. So a good start, but 
how can they create and, and build more excitement by building more around him? You know, it's interesting, too, because there's always been a knock on Johnny Gaudreau and say what you want about his playoff success. But there's been a knock that he kind of disappears at times. But statistically, you know, yes. the lines don't don't say it, don't sell it that way. I think there's only five other players. It's like Sidney Crosby, Kucherov, you know, guys Matthews. like that. Yeah, that have had more points since the time that he entered the league. And that's that says something. He's quietly been a productive hockey player for all the knocks that he's had on him. And at first, I think the thought was Columbus. And now I think it's more like Columbus, like Columbus could finally stop being for whatever reason, a footnote in the minds of NHL hockey fans. This could really change this franchise. Um, you know, especially if they start to have some playoff success, if they start to make a second round, if they start to make a conference final, if they start to push into that next level territory of success and you know, this really invigorates that. So honestly, uh, wishing him nothing but the best. The only thing I will say, I feel for Calgary Flames fan. I know Johnny was a, was a big part of that. You know, the Matthew Kachuk saga is still not figured out yet. We'll get to that. But, you know, Oof. you know, it, it's an exciting moment for one franchise. And the Flames, you know, they're going to have to move on from it. It's not the first time we've seen big stars or big name players move on. Just ask Minnesota Wild fans. Uh, you know, and it is what it is. So um, the other kind of big notable signings, really we have one, maybe two of them if you want to say the first notable signing here. But the other big fish that I had, Vinny Trocek, uh, heading to the Rangers, seven-year deal, $5.625 million per season. He's been a guy that has been reliable and steady as they get in terms of production ever since he entered the NHL. Had that really nasty Achilles tear a couple of years ago when they yes. were playing in Ottawa, when the Panthers were playing there. Um, but other than that, I mean, he's been a centerman that has been as advertised and then some. So, uh, Nick, you like this deal for the Rangers? I love this deal because they needed to replace uh, Ryan Strome. Or oh, wait, right? Yeah, Ryan Strome. Yeah. Ryan yep. Strom, we'll talk about him. Actually, he, he's right here. Ryan Strom actually signed a five-year, $5 million per year uh, packed with the Anaheim Ducks. So he's That's headed west. Yeah. But did, I, I think I might be mixing them up because did Dylan end up in New York too? Dylan Strom is in, uh, you are just, you want to run down the list, don't you? Dylan Strom ended up uh, at $3.5 million uh, this uh, upcoming season, a one-year pack for the Washington Capitals. Capitals, I um, close. And okay. you know, it's interesting, uh, since we're on that point, if I can find it here, there's been so many signings. Here it is. Uh, 48 points in 69 games for Dylan Strom. Um, Chicago didn't tender him his qualifying offer, which was $3.6 million last year. He has 170 points in 273 NHL games. That's a .63 point per game clip. Yeah. I mean, there's... The NHL is weird to me sometimes. Um, so, yes. Talking about Dylan Strom? Dylan Strom, yeah. yeah. Ryan Strom's headed west. Uh, and, yeah, Vinny Trocek's headed to the to the Broadway lights, you know? Dylan Strom's big knock. Now, mind you, I've said this a couple of times in this podcast. Dylan Strom was on the same line as Alex Tabrinkin and Connor McDavid with Erie in the OHL. That was a nasty top three. Um, and I think the big quandary or the, the big caveat with Dylan Strom is – uh, he's not the guy that can essentially create his own space or win board battles. Uh, it, it's not that he can't, but he just yeah. seems to uh, be easily removed from the puck. And the thing is, he, he gets space. He's very good at, you know, when he gets space. That's a big reason why he's still got some of those nice point totals. Uh, but I think there's been some questions with his physicality and maybe even, I don't know if Workman, like, you know, is part of it too. I know all these, you know, have some truth, maybe some not to it. Um, but a big reason why he's jumped around the league, even at the, uh, the young age that he is. 
Yeah, and on the Rangers' side, Vinny Trocek fills a lot of needs in the center yes. position. And I wouldn't call him a veteran, but definitely an experienced NHL player that is going to add a lot of uh, solidarity, so to speak, uh, down the middle for a young Rangers squad that is only looking to improve on their conference final appearance from last season. The other kind of big-ish one as we transition into essentially some more just notable signings and extension, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they've uh, removed some of the shells, but they've definitely locked and sealed a couple of others here mikhail sergachev anthony sorelli and eric chernak eight year extensions for all of them eight and a half mil for sergachev and six and a half mil for the other two nick i you know the lightning i they've kept the young guys uh and they've yes. made their position known uh you like this uh move for them i do um you know the lightning had done and i think julian brisebois uh, he's getting some recognition but i don't think he's gotten enough yet as to yes, Joe, uh, not Joe Sackick, Nick, my goodness, um, Stevie Y. Um, yeah. can you tell I'm getting some Hall of Famers mixed up. Um, yeah. it did a really good job of, of building a core and was a big part of the two Stanley Cups. But you also have to give Julian Brisebois a lot of credit for, um, I mean, again, they used LTR. Well, LTR doesn't count in the offseason, so you have to start somewhere, right? And Julian Brisebois, I think, has made. Um, some really, really savvy moves. Again, Ryan McDonough being part of that. He was traded off to Nashville. Um, they just keep replacing guys um, that seem to fit their mold. Now, the one piece, and I'm sure we'll talk about this at some point, is Andre Pallad. I think he's a huge um, uh, exit for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yep. Uh, but again, um, a lot of young guns. Um, again, with the coaching staff in place and with the way that the Tampa Bay Lightning continue to turn over their roster but still be a Stanley Cup contender, um, I think is actually kind of going unseen as much for Julian Breezeball. They've done a heck of a job, and uh, yeah. all the credit to Tampa. They should be right back in the fold again next season. Yeah, so these are quick hits here from just day one, and then we're going to get to past day one, so that's kind of crazy. Uh, two quick ones here that I want to get quick thoughts on here. A couple of extensions, both eight years for each. Valerie Nachuskin for Joe Sackick's Colorado Avalanche. Um, 40, $49 million for him. Uh, Robert Thomas, same length, $65 million for the St. Louis Blue there. Um, any problem with either of these two? Uh, Nachuskin a little bit, um, only because, uh, not because of his he was money in the playoffs. He was yeah. absolutely money. Um, you kind of wonder if this is a little bit of a knee jerk from Colorado. Um, yeah. Granted, great playoff performance. Almost was Jewel Erickson Eck like because not only did was he offensively talented, but he was a horse yeah. to play against. Um, he was really good in the four check um, uh, for the for the Abs in that playoff run. So, uh, but for that term, my goodness, that's a long term, a lot of money yeah. for that. That's a huge risk of a contract for the Blues. Robert Thomas, uh, again, a, a budding superstar. They still, I believe, have Jordan, Jordan Kairou that's coming up due here soon. So um, they have some casualties themselves. But I like the signing more in St. Louis than he with Colorado. Um, but, uh, yeah, those are some long contracts. Well, let's talk about contracts with zero risk at all here, Nick. Like we mentioned, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, Chris Letang, six mil, Ricard Raquel, six-year extension at $5 million average annual value, Evgeny Malkin, age 36, four years, $24.4 million. That's 6.1 per season. I want you to know, Nick, that just under $18 million for the Penguins cap, it is tied up in those three guys. We yeah. thought Malkin was going to go to market. He decides to stay home for probably what is going to be the rest of his career. Did the Penguins overpay for him? I feel like maybe. They did. Yeah. They did. And honestly, like, I think part of the tactic there was when Malkin went public, honestly. Excuse yeah. me. Um, yeah. Because. You're, you're, 
all choked up about it, you know. I, I know, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> um, first of all, for the wild fans I saw on Twitter that were like, Get me up, Genny Malkin. No way, it was Billy G. Uh, laughable. That. I know, I, I, I. I, I didn't feed the yeah. troll. We'll put it that way. Yeah, there is there is a guy on this list that I wish the Wild would have picked up, and we'll get to him. But yeah, I mean, definite overpayment. Um, again, it's you're setting yourself up as far as Pittsburgh is concerned, because one of the names that we haven't talked about that is part of this core is Sidney Crosby. Um, you know the I know right. Um, I hear he's okay. Sidney <laughs> Crosby, Chris Letang, Evgeny Malkin are sort of that cornerstone core that's you know won them. Uh, two Stanley Cups, um, at least recently. Uh, yeah. Crosby's got three. Uh, so got three. Yeah. He's got three. So yeah, it's Malkin's one of those... got three. Yeah. Oh, he was. That's right. He was then too. Yeah. Um, but it's almost like okay, with with hockey, and we've talked about this too. You know, from a general manager standpoint, um, look at where Chicago's at. Right. Mm. You've won three cups with the core, and now you're stripping it down. Uh, the Penguins, I think, have made it clear that that's sort of where they're headed at some point. Now, how serviceable. Will Malkin be? Is he going to be um, injured? Is he going to be able to stay healthy? Uh, Chris Letang, you could always kind of point him. He's had concussion issues in his past. Um, so the Penguins, you could call it maybe risky, but again, with LTIR, you just never know. Um, yeah. I like the defensive moves, and my goodness, they're going to need to have you some more. But yeah, this is an overpayment for me for Malkin. That's just a, ugh, I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah, if he stays true to form and is a point per game player like he is, or if he's completely hurt in LTIR, it's a win for the Penguins either way. The fear is that his play starts to drop off and he costs money for not a lot of production. That's where I think the issue, or he gets hurt in a way where he still plays but is not as, as productive as he should be. There's the issue there. Red Wings, couple of moves for them. Uh, Andrew Kopp moving from the Rangers to the That's Wings. Five-year contract, 5.625 per season. And they also uh, um, brought in Ben Sherratt on a four-year pact as well too. Uh, Red Wings moves, uh, uh, very quickly, yes or no, you like the deals for both? I do. Um, how about David Perron too? Offer uh, the yep. Red Wings. My goodness, that's a steal. Uh, but, but but that's a day two move here, Nick. So, oh, sorry. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but for day one, yeah. Detroit. Uh, there's kind of an arms race right now. A couple of teams. Yeah. Um, I think Ottawa's in the lead. Uh, not gonna lie, we'll talk about them. That's probably a day four or five move. But anyways, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Detroit and Ottawa both trying to uh, get back to playoff relevance, and both of them making moves. Uh, Detroit with some coaching as well as some free agency moves. Uh, Ottawa very active in free agency. Um, they're yeah. poised pretty well, but I like the moves for Detroit so far. And another Canadian team very active on day one, the Edmonton Oilers. Jack Campbell, their net mining situation, five years, $5 million average annual value. The Evander Kane saga doesn't continue, at least for a little while. Four years, $20.5 million until we find something else about that. Uh, and then on the end of that as well, Brett Kulak defenseman, a four-year contract for him as well, too. Um, I got to imagine you like the Jack Campbell signing, uh, the Evander Kane situation. Uh, good pickup for the Oilers as long as he doesn't get plucked back to San Jose. You know, <laughs> first of all, what the hell is, is Toronto doing? Yeah. Um, I think that's the bigger question. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, this is, this is intriguing to me. Uh, Jack Campbell signing is great. Um, it's needed now that the return, Matt Murray, I mean, you kind of wonder what is going through Kyle Dubas's head right now, because I think Jack Campbell was a very, you know, almost a, a cornerstone piece to their playoff success. And again, you're one game, one goal away from at least giving yourself an overtime chance in game seven of that series in the first round. So I don't know, like, 
I, I kind of wonder about the Toronto side of this, but it's a great siding for Ottawa. Um, and uh, dare I say they have a really good one, two, ten, and right now it's a really nice uh, top six. And look out, here come the Senators. Yeah, the Senators are looking good. The Oilers obviously getting uh, done what they needed to get done too. The Avalanche, a couple of other moves. Archery Lekkinen stays with the team five years, $22.5 million for him. Uh, and then Josh Manson, who was another deadline acquisition from the Ducks, four years, $4.5 million average annual value. So the Avs, a couple moves there. The Capitals, their goaltending situation, uh, plucking Avalanche goaltender Darcy Kemper, five years at five. Point two five. We'll have to see if he pans out in the nation's capital. Um, former Avalanche player now over to Seattle, Andre Burakovsky, $5.5 million, a five-year pact as well, too. Um, the Ducks, as we talked about before, Ryan Strom, his five-year contract. Um, here is the guy. Here is the guy on this list, Nick, that I was hoping the Minnesota Wild were going to go for. The Dallas Stars added forward Mason Marchment on a four-year, $18 million deal, 47 points in 54 games, age 27, six foot four, 209 pounds. He's also the son of late uh, Brian Marchment, who we reported on last week, 17 years in the NHL as well. So, uh, Nick, this is the guy that I was hoping the Wild were going to pick up, and unfortunately he went to uh, the old Minnesota NHL club. Yep, he went to the North Stars. Sorry, Stars. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, great pickup for Dallas. A really tough situation for Marchment. Uh, again, the loss of uh, his dad, longtime NHL blue liner. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and again, you know, for, for Dallas, too. Uh, that's a team that is uh, incredibly tough to read right now, um, mm -hmm. not only in terms of um, some of their, their roster moves and maybe non-moves, but also uh, – just with the coaching decisions, uh, I don't know, hard to get a read, but uh, he gets a good contract. He's going to help them down the middle, and uh, uh, Dallas, again, looking to try to get over the hump as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it, a couple of other moves that we've had going on here. Uh, the Blues, Nick Letty, four years, $4 million. They're going to hang on to him. Uh, the Canucks, Ilya Mikheyev, uh, moving over four years, $4.75 million. Could be a potential overpay, but I think the Canucks maybe need some of that infusion of a player like that to see if he can flourish under Bruce Boudreaux's system. Senators, Claude Giroux, a three-year deal, $6.5 million average annual value. Mm. Uh, you know, ouch. Yeah, you know, but the sen the Sens have money to play with. I uh, you did. know, yeah. relative in terms of what the salary cap defines anyway, um, as far as the organization. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Claude Giroux uh, heading into uh, the twilight years, somewhat a little bit. Uh, young player that's been a day one Vegas Golden Knight stays with the team. Riley Smith, three years, fifteen million dollars. Um, the Ducks also adding Frank Vitrano on a three year deal, and also. Our last three-year deal in terms of the notable ones, an entry-level contract are for Slavkovsky and the Montreal Canadiens. Their number one pick in the 2022 NHL draft has been signed. So before we get to the less notable one, two, and three-year deals, we did have a couple of trades on day one. Um, and the Carolina Hurricanes just fleeced everybody. Uh, Golden Knights. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, the Golden Knights sent Max Pacioretty and defenseman Dylan Coughlin to the Hurricanes for future considerations, so basically nothing. Um, and San Jose traded Brent Burns and Lane Peterson to the Canes for Steven Lorenz, a goaltending prospect, and a third-round pick next year. And San Jose also retains a third of the $8 million average annual value through the spring of 2025. So, Nick, do both of these moves make sense for Carolina? Goaltending-wise, it does. Yeah. But... On it, you know, Brent Burns, uh, you know, Carolina has a really stout defensive core. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Well, as 
I mean, they move on from Tony D'Angelo. Um, that's one thing. And I actually think, despite some of the things that a lot of maybe the audience knows Tony D'Angelo for, he was actually pretty good on the ice, um, yeah. honestly. So I'll at least give him that. Um, Carolina is kind of signaling we need to go all in a little bit here, don't, don't you think? Yeah. Um, you know, you, you get some more offense up front, which faltered uh, in the later rounds. Uh, I think, you know, I guess with Brent Burns, so you're looking for a little bit more offense in the back end. Um, still a guy that contributed at the highest level. Um, it's intriguing to me because if it works, it's a really, really good moves, but it could also be not great. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, Carolina is making some moves. How about this? For Minnesota Golden Gopher fans, Jack LaFontaine, Pulled out of the middle of a senior season, signed an entry-level deal, gets kind of peppered a little bit, is relegated to the minors, and he's not even qualified a um, RFA contract. How about that? Yeah, yeah. it kind of just lets you know uh, where you're at in the hockey world and how it can fluctuate at any time, you know. So, But Max Pacioretty and Brent Burns kind of trying to alleviate the loss of D'Angelo and maybe Vinny Trocek who are headed away from the team. Uh, the other trade, uh, moving just up north uh, on the eastern coast there, New Jersey Devils trading for Pavel Zaka to the Boston Bruins for Eric Halla. So Zaka is currently an RFA. Halla, one more year left at $2.38 million. Uh, the Devils drafted Zaka sixth overall in 2015. He has 110 points in 386 games across seven seasons. Halla, 44 points in 78 games last year. He's 31 years of age. I, this move... I don't really understand from the Boston Bruins perspective. I thought Halla actually had a pretty decent season last year. I think Boston's looking to get a little bit bigger and Pavel Zaka yeah. brings you some size. Um, and I think for New Jersey, they wanted some contract flexibility. Um, with Zaka, again, as an RFA, um, you have that qualifying offer with Halla. It's one year left, so you get a little bit more flexibility, maybe some cost control in that sense. And he's got a little bit more offensive upside than Zaka does. So I think... If that's the way you look at it, sure. But again, uh, for, for Boston, uh, yeah, that's a little surprising. Uh, yeah. But maybe with Zaka down the middle, is this sort of like a, a Patrice Bergeron sort of yeah. band? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Eric Howell is a natural centerman, though. So, I mean, I don't know. Right. Hard to argue with that production. Last trade of day number one, the Capitals acquired Connor Brown from the Senators for a second-round pick in 2024. Cruising through the less notable one, two, and three-year deals on day one here, Nick. I'm just going to rip through these. If there's anyone you want to talk about, probably the first one, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, they locked up Nick Delorier for four years and brought back Justin Braun for the next season, both at $1.75 million per year. Um, this Chuck Fletcher guy, um, hmm. There seems to be, we talk about an arms race, right? There seems to be an on arms race for um, a uh, exemption player by the name of Connor Bedard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, you could sh throw Chicago, Arizona, and now Philadelphia into that race. Uh, pretty nuts. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't even. That. I don't and, even. Yeah. And, and again, going back to the, the Johnny Gaudreau situation, you know, again, um, he Goudreau expressed, expressed interest. That sounds like Philadelphia wasn't even on his radar. Um, yeah. why wouldn't you be? Um, but again, you know, that could be telling. And I think it is telling. I think Philadelphia is going into, um, a deep, 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 deep rebuild. Yeah. Um, and granted we, we sort of saw that with the trading of, uh, captain Claude Giroux. Um, but I would even think it started prior to that. Now, 
that could be just Chuck Fletcher's GM sort yeah. of resume, but uh, the Flyers fans are going to be in for some years of tough, tough roads ahead. Yeah, they almost had Johnny Gaudreau, but their consolation prize is Nick Delorier. They also did uh, buy out Oscar Lindblom, who joined San Jose on a two-year deal as well. Uh, Canucks and Curtis Lazar, three years, one mil per season, had 16 points last year with the Bruins. Uh, Penguins bringing in uh, Tampa Bay defenseman Jan Ruda on a three-year deal. David Perron, like you mentioned, two years to the Red Wings, $4.75 million per season. Uh, the Sabres, a couple of signs for them. Uh, former Wild defenseman Victor Olofsson, a two-year deal. Same price tag, 4.75 mil. And Ilya Labushkin, a uh, fleece from Toronto on a two-year deal as well. Other Minnesota Wild notables uh, turned Avalanche Stanley Cup winner Nico Sturm signed with San Jose for three years, $2 million for him. Matt Benning, a four-year deal for the Sharks as well. Colin Miller headed to the Dallas Stars for two years. Uh, the Blackhawks, Colin Blackwell, actually a decent little signing for them, pulling mm-hmm. uh, from Toronto a two-year deal and then adding Max Domi and Andreas Athanasiu to one-year contracts. So little speedy water bugs um, that are added to this squad. So uh, it's almost oh, some punching fists. Yeah, no kidding, and a, and a little bit of a little bit of a speed boost for a Chicago team that has a lot of question marks entering next season. Uh, Calgary bringing back uh, Nikita Zadorov two years. Uh, Seattle also added Martin Jones and Justin Schultz um, for a year and two years, respectively. So Seattle making some moves, although Martin Jones had a very poor season with the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, His save percentage was uh, 900, um, which I suppose is not terrible considering the team he played on. But yeah, um, Yeah. not the greatest. Uh, A couple more here, Nick. Uh, The Lightning added Ian Cole, $3 million one season. Um, The Maple Leafs did get another netminder, Ilya Samsonov. Uh, for a single season, and former Colorado Avs forward uh, and noted Stanley Cup uh, denter uh, Nicholas Abe Kubel uh, to a one-year mm-hmm. pact as well. Uh, Carolina entered Andre Andre Casa for a year. Pretty much every deal from here on out is one year. So Christian Fisher stayed with the Coyotes, Kings with Alex Edler and Brendan Lemieux, the Avs with Darren Helm, the Rangers with Yaroslav Halak, uh, another goaltender in Thomas Grice going to the Blues. And then finally, the Florida Panthers, Mark Stahl, a one-year contract, and his brother, Eric, who did not play in the National Hockey League last season, uh, is a professional tryout offer. So, Nick, kind of crazy. That was just day oh, one. Man. You know, was was there, uh, you know, was there a point on day one where you thought it was overwhelming, or did it feel like other years where the day one was a flurry, and then since then it was kind of few and far between? We still don't have a deal for Nazem Kadri, for example. This is usually how it works, honestly. Um, if you've watched, you know, or followed the NHL in, in years past, you know, especially in the salary cap era, this is sort of, you know, the sweepstakes are day one, right? Where your teams are in bidding for the better players. Um, you know, again, you're not supposed to have these discussions. Wink, freaking wink. Sorry, Columbus. Um, but, you know, at the end of it, this is normal. You know, you, you get the flurry. Uh, you know, GMs want to have the roster set. They want to get the players that they have on their boards um, as as best as they can. So that way, you know, you can be confident going into training camps and, and development camps uh, with the players that you want. So it, it is a kind of a mad rush to the bargaining table on day one. So this is no surprise. I think the bigger surprise and, and maybe I shouldn't say surprise. Maybe the bigger thing is now with so many teams up against the cap, you have some of the more talented mm-hmm. Um, you know, folks to left because they're going to command a lot of money and also a lot of term, and that's becoming uh, more risk um, you know, to uh, to the teams right now, especially with no real relief from the salary cap in sight, at least in the near term future. 
Yeah, so since day one, uh, which was uh, last Wednesday, uh, so we're about five and a half days, six days removed from that. We've had 10 signings, uh, two trades, and an interesting little rumor to get to here, Nick. So let's jump into yes. it here. Uh, the Ottawa Senators re-upped young stud center Josh Norris, eight years, $63.6 million. Pace the team with 55 points, including 35 goals in 66 games. He's 23 years old. Uh, 52 career goals for him, all with the Sens. He was initially part of that package for the Sharks um, that was sent in the Eric Carlson trade back in 2018. It was a first-round pick. So, uh, yeah, and he's a kid that you don't really hear about him a whole lot for whatever reason. I mean, maybe because he plays in Ottawa. but Probably. You know, he's just that good. I mean, do you really have any thoughts on Josh Norris? Uh, Again, you know, sometimes a destination does kind of, you know, not get your notoriety around the league Ottawa, as we know has been um kind of rebuilding uh, again you know what was it 17 when they were on overtime away from going to the stanley cup final against yeah. pittsburgh um sorry yes chris kunitz is still probably eating the people's brains in ottawa right now yeah um but yeah that's part of it and i think josh norris is a young defenseman um, and again, you know, we, we've seen where in the National Hockey League, you know, if you've got the money to spend, if you've got a young talent you like, you've got to lock them up uh, long term. Got Ottawa did it. Um, they've also added some pieces. So you put that into the mix, uh, creates the, the new look Ottawa Senators that we're going to see. And they're going to be a fun team to watch next year if, if things go right. Yeah, they've made a lot of good moves this offseason. New Jersey has been a bit more quiet than we anticipated, but they did add Andre Palat, like you had mentioned. Five years, $30 million total in that deal. I like the pickup from New Jersey. They're getting a very good veteran forward who knows how to produce at all levels and in all game situations. Kelly Yarncroft headed to Toronto for four years, just over two mil per season. Uh, interestingly enough, he went scoreless in his uh, 17 games with Calgary. Um, kind of averages about 35 to 40 points per season. Really never panned out, unfortunately, for the Flames, especially down in that uh, playoff run in the second round. So, um yeah, I don't know, wishing him the best of luck in Toronto. I don't think he alleviates enough of the issues that the Leafs, unfortunately, have this offseason. No. Uh, Washington, like we mentioned, Dylan Strom was added for them. Uh, Montreal, uh, Sam Montembeau, two-year contract for him, re-upping him. Uh, Detroit adding uh, a bunch of, uh, or one defenseman, and then Toronto adding pair of defensemen, including Jordy Ben, former Minnesota Wild player, Victor Mete, and then Mark Pizik is going to Detroit. Um, Colorado added uh, another former Wild player here, um, uh, defenseman, and for whatever reason, I didn't write his name down. Uh, Brad Hunt, that's who it is. Brad Hunt, yeah. Brad Hunt, yeah. Uh, played for the Canucks last season, 17 points um, last season for the Canucks, and it should be 55 games for the team. Um, he's also played for Edmonton, St. Louis, Nashville, and the Golden Knights. Uh, another former wild forward here, Nick. Rem Petlick, two-year deal from Montreal. Matthias Janmark, a single year, and Zach Sanford, a single year um, for uh, Edmonton and Nashville. And Nashville also added Kevin Lankinen, uh, netminder from Chicago as well. So that was pretty much it for the signings. Uh, the couple of uh, one non-signing, I guess, and then a rumor here. Alex Radulov, uh, done in the National Hockey League. Uh, headed back to the KHL for two years. Um, he's, he's, done, he's done in the NHL period. Yeah, 36 years old, 22 points last season. It had a weird career. Played with Nashville for two years until 2008, then went to Ufa for four years, then played with Nashville for a year, then back to CSK Moscow for four years, and then five seasons with Montreal and Dallas. So that's kind of weird. But the one I want to know, Nick, and the one I yeah. want to get your opinion on here, Pierre-Luc Dubois is rumored to want to play for Montreal after his contract is up. 
He's 24 years old, two years left on an RFA deal. Um, and he even attended the draft in Montreal this past week because he believed yeah. the trade to the Habs was going to happen on the draft floor, according to the Athletic. The he's, Canadians, he's the Canadian. Yeah, well, uh, Canadians have reportedly offered three players to the Jets for him, but they were unsuccessful because Winnipeg is holding up the deal by uh, um, asking for a player Montreal refuses to move. And this is not the first time this has happened. 2016, Canadians had a deal in place to actually send P.K. Subban to Vancouver if Dubois made it to number five, but the Jackets selected him third overall. So mm -hmm. does he have any leverage here? It's it seems like the Canadians want him, but it seems like uh, they're not willing to part ways enough with somebody to move him from Winnipeg. You know, here's the thing. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois and RFA has zero leverage in this in this sense, absolutely zero. Yeah. Um, you have a team in Winnipeg that is trying to uh, keep the band together. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois and part of that trade with Patrick Laine was supposed to be their next sort of young, you know, part of the new core type experience and they don't want to give him away. Um, and again, Winnipeg is displaying that, as you mentioned, is if they're going to move Dubois, they, they want something of equal, um, you know, a sort of value in return, especially immediate help and their Montreal's not going to let that go. So, um, okay, attend a draft. Cool. So can anybody else? that's got an NHL press pass. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a bit misguided, um, you know, at least from Pierre-Luc Dubois. Now it's, you know, you want to play for um, the Canadians. I think a lot of uh, hockey players, you know, when they envision the Mecca of hockey, it is in Montreal. There's no question about that. Former um, St. Claude State for Ryan Paling drafted and played for the Canadians part of a trade to Penguins as of, yeah. uh, as of recently won with uh, Jeff Petrie. But yeah, you know, I might as well throw that out there. Jeff Peacher, Ryan Paling headed to Pittsburgh. Montreal gets blue liner Mike Matheson and a 2023 fourth. Um, John Lazat is also in Wilkes-Barre, so former St. Cloud State yeah. teammates. And the Penguins also sent John Marino to the Devils for Ty Smith and a third-round pick. Those are the only two trades after day one. So a lot of slog to get through. But uh, it's an interesting situation where you have Dubois that feels that he's in a position here to do what... Well, and I think he is seeing what the Winnipeg management is trying to essentially cover their eyes on. Uh, Winnipeg is due. I mean, you have a core that's aging. You've got some good pieces there. You've got, you've got Kyle Connor. You've got a few others that you, know, you could build around. But as far as the depth of talent that, you know, the depth of young prospects coming in, it's, it's kind of bleak. Um, and I think for Dubois, who uh, wants to play somewhere when Montreal could be good, the next couple of years or that's just a destination he's always had um maybe because he's got a french last name yeah i don't know and maybe yeah, he's first name yeah he so. actually he actually grew up uh, about 20 minutes away from montreal so that sure. might be part of the reason as well too could but. be part of it but at the end of it uh you know he, he's under team control um and unless you know we mm -hmm. have another him versus john tortorella moment where he becomes a sort of a distraction in the locker room and maybe on the ice uh you know that's he is kind of uh, going to have to wait and see until he gets to RFA status. Now, Winnipeg may shift course before them, uh, but we'll have to wait and see. But as far as Dubois goes, uh, I'll tell you this, he's not driving this ship, at least at this point in his career.
The only other RFA is Mason Appleton, who has filed for arbitration along with 24 other players in the National Hockey League. 23 of them remain. The only one to sign for Minnesota Wild netminder Capo Kakinen with San Jose. Uh, two years at $2.75 million per year. Uh, Nick, you look at this list with the 23 remaining guys. You know, Jesper Bratt, Matthew Joseph, Oliver Shillington, Kasperi Kapanen, Andrew Maggiapani, Jesse Pugliarvi, Kaylee Yamamoto, you know, Jakob Trenin, a couple of guys on there. Is there anybody on this list that you feel, uh, you know, deserves a little bit of talking about? Or uh... How about Jakob Trenin? Yeah. Honestly, with Nashville. Um, this is surprising a little bit, not in the sense that, you know, he won't get a deal done, but I think, um, you know, again, I think Nashville, again, with some of the signings, again, Philip Forsberg re-upping him, uh, just trying to make sure they're in cost control. Um, Paul Yarbrough has always been kind of a goofy situation, honestly, to me, uh, because he uh, didn't want to play for Edmonton initially, came back. He was valuable um, and now is trying to get paid Ubers amounts of money. Uh, to me, honestly, that that's the big one. Um, uh, yeah. is, is, is trending. I don't know. Did you have anybody else on that? Uh... Not, not really kind of an unexciting list as far as RFAs go. I think maybe Jesper Bratt, just cause he had a really good season comparatively, uh, yeah. you know, related to how the devils did, but yeah, other than that, a list that we'll keep an eye on it, but, uh, you know, not a lot of notable things. We have also been keeping an eye on as we transition to the Minnesota wild about, uh, the free agents that are left here as the wild are kind of dealing with a little bit of cast space, but not much. I don't anticipate anything crazy, but, the best left available uh, by f- the forward side, Nazem Kadri, Phil Casso, former mo- wild player Nino Niederreiter, Dayton Heinen is in that list. Uh, you know, yeah. Tyler Mott, Tyler Bozak, a couple of former wild players, um, Tyler Ennis, Alex Alchenyuk. On the D side, the big one is probably John Klingberg and then P.K. Subban, Calvin DeHaan, Jack Johnson, who just won uh, a Stanley Cup as well, and on uh, maybe Braden Holtby, pretending uh, he doesn't end his career, which he just might. Uh, is there anybody on the UFA side that you know, you've know you been surprised hasn't gotten a deal done or you feel like might be a good fit in Minnesota, or do you have any kind of overall thoughts on the UFA class still that's left? You, you know what the UFA class uh... – a couple of these have former Minnesota Wild ties, right? So yeah. the new writers on there, we talked about. It. I mean, Paul Stastny maybe was a, a wild killer. <laughs> um, if you can't beat him or you know have him join you, I guess would be the the right way to rephrase it. Yeah. Uh, but again, he's up there in age. Uh, again, skating isn't you know as crisp as it once was, but he's a great in the faceoff dot, um, great centerman, especially defensively. Um, although has had trouble staying healthy um, as yeah. of late. Um, to me, you know, in a perfect world, the no salary cap. Oh, John Klingberg, holy cow! Um, yeah. How? I mean, what was it? About midway through this last season, it became sort of public that he requested a trade, and then there wasn't a trade. Uh, Dallas kind of essentially trying to change the narrative that they want him with the organization, and he isn't signed. Um, he's now yeah. a uh, UFA, and uh, he's going to command a lot of attention. But again big contracts um, that might be headed up John Klingberg. Uh, P.K. Subban is another interesting name that's on the list. Um, Braden Holpe, again, uh, he's, again, been banged up recently. Those are the ones that really top my head, but how about this? Uh, I think the big one, uh, or I should say two. How about two? Because, I mean, we talked yeah. about Kadri. Uh, again, there's, there's uh, I think, a lot of people yeah. just wondering if it was a one-hit wonder with him. But then how about Phil Kessel? 
Yeah, and he's been and he's been an intriguing tie to the Minnesota Wild, wondering if he might take a substantial pay cut. I don't think he signs with the Wild, but you know, he's definitely he avoided the Wild actually when he was yeah, in UFA in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that was a couple of years ago though, and he didn't believe that the Wild were contenders and then he went to Arizona and look how that turned out. You know, and Whoops. It, you know, yeah, and and he is an offensive firepower. He's kind of one of those guys, a power play specialist that you set him up, you insulate him with a couple of good two-way forwards and you let him run and shoot the puck, but you know, the Nazem Kadri situation, I think, I don't even know if it's so much one-hit wonder. I think it's just that the market just isn't bearing what he's looking for, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I think he's just, a, you know, wrong place, wrong time in a lot of senses. Uh, yeah. You know, so, um, but beyond that, Nick, the final trade that we have to talk about, uh, Cam Talbot headed to the Ottawa Senators for Philip Gustafson, the 24-year-old netminder. Uh, Bill Guerin said he didn't have shit to do, and then... Uh, he uh he did you know, have shit to do apparently yeah he, he he went all over if you know what i mean i uh, yeah. yeah i did this kind of catch you by surprise uh no. bill Guerin has kind of set the stance essentially of like if you don't want to be here you're not going to be here and he, he he did enact that because again there was you know when it came out that the agent on cam talbot's you know, behalf was expressing some dis, you know, discontent. But let's even take away the agent here, right, Noah? Yeah. When you're 13 and one, one, and rightfully on most teams, you've been a very solid number one goaltender. Uh, you bring in what maybe was thought initially to be a backup option, and then all of a sudden, Dean Evison puts him as the game one starter. I think things start coming off the rails just then, right? Um, and then, you know to re-sign Fleur for two years. Um, I think for Cam, I think he, and again, this goes back to the, the thing in the hockey, you can't have two number one goaltenders on your yeah. roster. You just can't. And um, I'm kind of on Cam Talbot's side here, honestly, Noah. I think that, you know, y- we can have the discussion and debate about Cam Talbot, his abilities, his skill, all you want, but the numbers were deserving of a number one shot. Again, had one year left in his contract, a very team-friendly contract. Let's let's also make that uh, very clear as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, again, I, I don't think in his mind he looked at it as a, a kind of a backslap, and I can't disagree with that. Um, I know from a general manager's position, it's so difficult in some sports hockey and the position with goaltending. Yeah. You want the best one-two punch, but you also have to kind of make it clear that there's a number one and a number two, and and for Cam who had been the number one for the last couple of seasons until essentially trade deadline. And even then he had great numbers. Um, this resigning basically says, Hey, you don't think I'm your number one guy. Yeah. And, you know, and, and granted, is that the way that Bill Vader probably intended? No. Um, but again, from the, from the player's perspective, that's the interpretation. And uh, to Bill Guerin's credit, you know, there. I, I think there was a conversation with Cam after you know things cooled kind of, and then they realized Cam's not help, not happy. And to Bill Guerin, yeah. as you mentioned, he doesn't want any drama. He did. He stood by his word and he made the move. And at the end of it, you know, it's the right thing to do. Um, you don't want a player on your squad uh, that's you know unhappy that he's not the number one goaltender. Um, I think the bigger question is, you no know, one. I think we'll get this to you is. You know, so how do the you know how big of a risk is this for the Wild with Mark Andre Fleury? Um, I think that's the bigger question. And you know, can he replicate Cam Talbot's numbers or even more? So can he be better? And is he the goal you want between the pipes not only in the regular season, but is he the goaltender you want leading the team out in the Stanley Cup playoff berth? 
Yeah, his goaltending style is a bit interesting, and I don't want to call it outdated, um, you know, but he definitely relies a little bit more on uh, acrobatics as opposed to positioning sometimes, and, you know, that has gotten him through the league, and it's interesting to see how it's going to kind of ride out the next two years. I think uh, the Kakinen situation certainly stings a lot more when you didn't anticipate this, uh, you know, happening. I, uh, you know, trying to buy some time too, but to be fair, you know, Cam Talbot, you know, I, I understand the frustration, but we talked about it last week that, you know, he is somebody that, you know, still had to go out and earn it. It was going to be his contract mm-hmm. year again, this upcoming season. And, you know, granted, I wish him the best in Ottawa, but again, it, if you want to be the number one guy, you got to play like the number one guy and you got to earn that spot. And Cam Talbot, I think still was in a position to do that. Um, you know, although Dean Evison obviously probably soured that trust a little bit. Um, a Philip lot. Gu- yeah. <laughs> well, Philip Gustafson, too, you know, was a draft pick of the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, when uh, Bill Guerin was with the organization, uh, has had a couple of really tough years in Ottawa on uh, next to a really bad team, hasn't played a whole lot, like 24 games in the past couple seasons and has been very poor. Um but beyond that, you know, uh, it's a work in progress. We'll have to see if he can maybe turn into something. You never know. He could be a very reliable stopgap uh, when it comes to that, too. But, yeah, the biggest thing I worry about with Marc-Andre Fleury is potentially workload. I know he's an animal. He's in really good shape. But, you know, he is getting up there at age of 37 years of age. Uh, and you're asking for a couple more seasons out of that body playing, you know, 50, 60 games a season that, uh, and potentially a playoff run if you want to go that far. Uh, you know, that's a difficult ask for a goaltender. So, uh, he's definitely not the goalie of the future, and he's definitely not the goalie that he was in the past either. So uh, it's definitely trying to make time for the next wave of Minnesota Wild goaltenders. Uh, the question mark is who's that going to be? So, uh, yeah, the Wild, uh, they have some cap space. Are they going to do anything with it? No, I don't really I don't think, think so. so. I don't really think so. Um, yeah, it's an interesting conundrum, but uh, Bill Guerin kind of st- – stamped out the fire before it you know became a full roaring flame so to speak and uh we have our squad for the most part for next season so they do and you know goaltending is part of that of course the big puzzle um yeah uh, of course that i think the the minnesota wild fan group is still um trying to uh, let the salt sting a little bit from the kevin fiala fiasco which again a lot of arrows are pointing that this is the way that was gonna go um and uh, I think Darren said it right too. Going back to Fiala a little bit, you can't take away three guys to keep one. You know, you have to have a balanced roster in today's NHL. Um, I mean, I can look at past cup contenders as a recent with Colorado, Tampa. I just name a couple. Um, you just as much as I wanted Fiala to stay, there just was yeah. no way to do it. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that uh, twelve million and some change. Yeah. yeah could use that a little bit but here we are you know it happens uh here we are is a very good description and a very apt one for our final topic of the show and uh it's one that i've been waiting a long time to talk about so without further ado we're going to head on to our extra ice session Welcome into the Extra Ice Session here on the Huskies Warming House Podcast. Noah Grant joined by Nick Maxson, as always, for all 120 episodes that we've been a part of. And Nick, uh, it's been a pretty heavy show as far as uh, this is always kind of a hard show to get through because of so many things that happen around this time in the National Hockey League. So we we do bear um, or thank you for our listeners for bearing with us and especially myself rambling on as we have so much to get through in the flurry that goes on every time this season. Um but it has been every time this season in some senses or ish, 
depending on our show's history. And that's what we're going to talk about here. So, Nick, uh, the first thing that we want to get out of, uh, out of the way here, and we've talked about, uh, you know, potential big news for the show, is a lot. Let's preface it this way. Listeners don't know this, and this is the first time that we're going to reveal this but, but to anyone besides the two of us, is that episode number 120 was likely supposed to be the last show in show history here on the Huskies Warming House podcast. Correct. And from and from what it sounds like, um, and we'll expand on that, but from what it sounds like uh, right now is that, Nick, maybe you might have some potential opportunities that might give you a chance for us to maybe do this for another season of Huskies hockey for starters. Yeah, uh, still things not decided just yet, um, but things are getting closer to where pen meets paper, we'll put it to you that way. Uh, one of the things that I'm looking for, um, you know, or I should say this, I have been looking for is some flexibility um, in, in the job market. Um, it's tough, especially when you just graduate, you don't really have a professional resume. You are studying from the bottom of the totem pole. Um, but here's the thing, I love the game of hockey. I love college hockey. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, if I can continue to cover the sport that I love, grew up playing, um, I've covered essentially since 2007, if you want to go back to my writing days before I got uh, behind the microphone in front of a camera that hasn't broken lens yet somehow, um, <laughs> you know, it's, that's important to me. Um, yeah. It is a lot of, it's very important. And so to be able to have that flexibility now, as you mentioned, this could have been it. We were having discussions and I think the re the realistic view of it was that flexibility was not going to be there. Yep. Right. So, um, again, still a lot of moving parts. Um, as of right now, we're still continuing forward. Um, but the other side of the coin is, you know, until pen meets paper on something, um, still kind of in a state of flux. Yeah, definitely are. Um, and like we kind of mentioned, you know, if it happens to be where Nick gets pulled away from the situation that it seems like is hopefully going in the right direction and we're getting closer and closer to that, um, obviously things can change very quickly. But I thought it was a good opportunity for us too, as you know, as 120 episodes and and Bill Prout, uh, uh, you know, of Center ICU, who obviously helped us get our start. And it feels like eons ago, two and a half years ago, that we started this show, um, you know, recently put out a treat, tweet where we had an impressive amount of longevity, but we weren't always venerable. And what venerable means is essentially like, you know, factual and truthful in terms of like the accuracy of what we said. And, and, and um, he's 110, he's 110% right. Um, and, uh, you know, for example, I was listening back to last week's show and I said, uh, um, you know, Cole, Cole Caulfield of the Canadians was taken 15th overall um, and the wild, uh, which he was, but the why I said the wild selected Marco Rossi before him. It was actually the year they selected Matt Boldy at 12. Matt Boldy at 12. Yeah. So, you know, little things like that. And when we listen back to our show, um, you know, those are little things that we continue to try to work on. Uh, and the challenge for us is, uh, you know, when we make slip ups like that, as we've gone through our history and as we've tried to try to grow uh, within our product, um, you know, we do work very hard at, you know, what we do and putting the notes together and putting everything together and trying to make it a good show. But, you know, I, I mean, Nick, you work seven days a week. You know, I work yeah. in a hospital. This is something that we started for fun and never expected it to take off the way that it did. And we're excited and enjoy having our listeners here and try to put in the work, but you know, there are times we just get stuff wrong or we misspeak or, you know, you do a show every week for 90 minutes when you finish work or that sort of thing. And we put every ounce of energy and effort into our product, but you know, sometimes we make those slip ups 
but it's really made us better as professionals. And Nick, you know, going through the process of the show, I feel like our identity has really changed. You know, it it's, has. Yeah. it's it's really changed from from what we thought we were going to be. We've had a lot of really great guests and interviews on the on the show. We haven't really done a whole lot of interviews lately because I think that where we're at personally and professionally has changed. And I think that what listeners are looking for has changed a little bit based on what the analytics say for us. But beyond that, if I had to hand it over to you and say, you know, over the past, whatever it's been, you know, 30 months that we've been doing this show or, or something close to that, you know, how would you, how would you describe this journey that we've been on uh, for 120 episodes? Does an episode of family guy count? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I, which we reference very much off air. Mind yes. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's got all the pomp and circumstance, uh, some, bickering a chicken fight in the middle and then you're still loving each other at the end yeah uh, <laughs> that's a pretty that's, apt description that's actually pretty good actually so. yeah. <laughs> but you know let's bring it back to real talk here um it, what a journey it has been you know and i think as things near an end point right and you you do the sort of natural human like recapping of where you were before this and what you've done and it's you know sort of it was kind of tough to come to terms with the fact that this could have been it. You know, honestly, yeah. um, as much as I'm like, God, I don't want to see your face anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it, it was also like, well, then who the hell am I going to make fun of anymore? It's just like, God darn it. Like <laughs> mom, next um, talking to the mirror again. Yeah, seriously. And well, <laughs> Hey, Alexa's randomly coming out of my room at two 30 in the absolute morning. But um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, I think the one thing we can make ourselves proud on, you know, and, and this is no by ways we're trying to, you know, you know, tweak our own, you know, or squeal our own horn or whatever the hell that goes, um, toot our own horn. There you go, Nick. Um, is we've always been looking at ways uh, to hear guests, our, our, our feedback from our listeners, to be able to cater to what they're looking for. We're always yeah. looking for constant uh, comments and, and viewpoints to, to help us make it better. Um, because at the end of the day, this is impossible without our listeners. I and mean, we've had a couple of listener focused shows in the past, um, mm -hmm. kind of telling this exact, you know, almost exact same message, but really that's what it comes down to is, you know, we want to be able to, well, let's put it this way. I have an excuse to come on for an hour and a half, uh, once a week to talk hockey and for folks to be along for the ride, because, uh, I, this is a game that I know you and I both love. Um, it's changing. There's uh, there's great people in and outside the game that support it. We want to be just a small portion of that. Um, so I, I I don't know. Like yeah, it's, and it's it's just almost routine now. Dare I say? It is, and it's amazing to see where we've come and the work that we put in to get to this point. And our show is an interesting perspective because you have true journalism shows. You have your Jeff Merricks. You know you you. People American like Rick Westhead yeah. who come on, you know, people who do that for a living and they're pure journalists, so to speak. And then you have, uh, I think a really great example for me is, uh, you know, the former guest of the show, Seth Topol, and kind of what he does with Locked on Wild and, and his sort of thing. Um, and we kind of try to, and kind of not really that fan perspective, but kind of more of that raw perspective. And we kind of try to hybrid that together and give a little bit of a journalism background, but also kind of a raw take is what the other side, the fan emotion might be feeling and kind of try to fuse it together with what the outside look like looks like and what our knowledge of the game might look like too i think that's always been our goal and have we done it perfectly 
No, I, I, I don't think so. Not at all. So that's from um, that's from my perspective. You know, just what yeah. I can bring to the table. But yeah, but you know, and there have been some ups and downs. But I think it's interesting. Um, and our benchmark was always, uh, for better or for worse, was always St. Cloud State Athletics because that was the basis of our show and kind of comparing them to how do their how does their hockey content succeed and the average play or the average listen for a lot of their content from what i can view was about five to six hundred listeners and then for things that were big obviously you get a couple thousand people because their reach is so far reaching but we're a very niche podcast you have to like nchd hockey you have to at least stomach listening to hear about st cloud state hockey you have to like the nhl in some capacity and you have to like minnesota hockey and the minnesota wild in some capacity to enjoy portions or all of our show you also that, don't and may I interject? Yeah. And I think that you talk about St. Cloud State Hockey. I think one of the things that we do differently is we're not there to be the homers. Yeah. We we brought some, you know, tough conversations that, you know, may have gone against the so-called, maybe the fans' perspective view. Um, you know, we could name specific players if you wanted to. We don't need to do that. But I think from just our knowledge and then what we know, we brought it to the listeners real. You know, I, I think we gave them the real uh, hockey perspective on some issues, right? Whereas, yeah. you know, this wasn't this person's fault or no, you know, those numbers may look low, but there's a lot of other things that don't make the score sheet this player is doing that's really, you know, contributing to success, you know, so. Um, and and that defines our success, too, and kind of where I was going with this, too. And, and, and like you mentioned, you know, it, it is a perspective that we bring that tries to bridge that gap. But when we talk about our success, our numbers reflect that we're a niche community. And mm -hmm. I, and like I said, when we first started doing this show, we were lucky to get 20 people that listen to us every week, 25. I remember the first time we hit 50, 50 listeners or 100 listeners, we were ecstatic. And now I look where we've come since then. And Nick, it's kind of interesting. We've done 120 episodes on this show. Um, I was going back the other day and I was checking out. I was like, I wonder how many listens between the audio listens and between the YouTube views that we've ever had on the show. You know, where are we actually at in terms of this? Nick, in our time, 120 episodes and change, you know, a couple little tidbits here and there. We're just under 44,000 total plays. Good God. Think about that. You know, I am like, how many? Who, who are these 44,000 poor souls that have to watch or listen to my voice? <laughs> and, and that's where we tried to tailor our content. And we talked about, you know, what do our listeners want to listen? Because here's the thing. Every week for portions or all of our show, you get in your car, you go to work, you throw the headphones on, you listen to us for 20 minutes, 40 minutes, the entire show, whatever it may be in sporadic points. And we work very hard to make it where, you know, even if we're not, venerable so to speak maybe if we miss the mark on something we're entertaining or you feel mentally stimulated by our product that's our goal we want to be as accurate as possible as we <laughs> eyebrow raised right <laughs> as, as accurately as we want to be we also want to be able to kind of tell a story and tell a story of st cloud hockey college hockey minnesota hockey and really this is just a space for us to kind of get our super fandom out and really let people join us in that experience. And it's been so awesome and so humbling to see some of the people that we have met and some of the people that we've gotten to interact with in a lot of these uh, lights and respects. So to have just under 44,000 plays in our lifetime as a show, we talked about the decision where episode 120 was probably going to be it for us. 
And it's hard for us sometimes to get up and find the weird recording times early in the morning to, to get all the show notes ready and make sure that everything's prim and proper. And it's easy sometimes to look and say, you know what, I'm ready to be done with this. But having the listener engagement, knowing that our product sticks at least to somebody out there, regardless of if Caleb. they can handle looking at our face, yeah, Caleb, <laughs> uh, regardless of whether they can look at our face or not, that's what keeps driving us to do this. And the decision, to be honest, to do another year of this, provided that Nick's schedule and opportunity allows it, wasn't exactly as clear cut as you would think, but I'm happy that we're here. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, and even if, and I, sh let me rephrase it, when, right? Because whether yeah. it's now or whether it's a year from now, maybe it's a month from now, right? Um, this is something that when you look back, and when I say you, I mean you and I, and I think we can be proud of what we have accomplished um, with the people we've had on with the different perspectives that we brought, um, with educating, right? Uh, you know, having the tough conversations, having the silly conversations. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a nice, like you mentioned, it's, it's a hybrid, it's a blend. And again, you know, we hope that the listeners that have stuck around for us for, what was it, five listeners for episode one, maybe? Uh, no, our worst one was episode seven. Uh, we had seven listeners. So so for those seven who maybe stuck it out for episode one and to hear now, uh, yeah. again, uh, there's not a big enough word that I can talk about that expresses the, um, the thankfulness that we have to be able to do this on a weekly basis. Yeah, no, and it's been incredible. Like you mentioned, I mean, we've had we've had you know people like K Fan when you when you were getting ready out in Pittsburgh to be able to kind of mention and say that they had listeners. We've had TV stations reach out to us. We've had multiple entities reach out to us, and you know we've tried. Our goal really for this was to keep it as pure as possible. Sure, centerized view news and notes has always been a thing because Bill Proud, you know, thank him so much for giving us the opportunity that we've had. Um, but beyond that, it's kind of been a pure endeavor from us to, to make it something uh, that was our own and always felt like you didn't have to worry about ads. You didn't have to worry about all these extra things. And it was just pure enjoyment of the game of hockey. And we started out, you know, with a product that's slowly been refined over time. And, you know, one of the things that I want to speak to is that, you know, we haven't done a whole lot of uh, interviews lately. And we understand mm -hmm. that. And that's probably how it's going to be for the rest of the show. And that has nothing to do with, you know, uh, we enjoy having our guests on. We enjoy, you know, catering that for our listeners, but it was something that was just really difficult for us time-wise to be able to fit into our schedule. Unfortunately, it doesn't mean that we're not going to have Brett Larson on at some point to talk about the season, um, but it's an and important golf game. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Uh, I've been working. I've been prepping just in case uh, Brett uh, wants to, wants to have some one-on-one. -on -one. I actually believe that there's an alumni game going on. Speaking of saying uh, next, next week, it's the yeah. alumni golf tourney. Yes. Yeah. So, Annual uh, event. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's what, that's what I'm saying. And I think it's important, Nick, you know, for the listeners too, to kind of know where we're coming from and kind of our plan moving forward. Um, you know, because like I said, our show has really changed. We've done rebranding a couple of times and this is all on our own accord. We don't have, I mean, Nick and I have done the bulk of the show. We started episode number one in KVSC studios in St. Cloud. And Actually we not well, no, not quite. Yeah. Remember episode well, one. Yeah. It was, was supposed to be a, a truck. It was supposed to be a trio yeah. Yeah. with a production crew ended up being, well, you and the I. Same two people. 
<laughs> you and I carrying about, especially you, you carrying Three full up, camera kits. Yeah, down um, a hill and yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. For those who have uh, never been to St. Cloud State's uh, campus, uh, the hockey center is at the bottom uh, of a very steep hill. And uh, let's just across say across campus, yeah. across campus, if you're trucking equipment, it is uh, it, it's a process even just to get equipment, set it up, uh, you know, tear it down, truck it back up the hill again. It's it's not well for the faint of heart. Well, good thing it was only, you know, in the middle of February, um, that too, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, 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 it, and it became that start. And, you know, oddly enough, uh, that first episode that never actually got released. And it'd be kind of fun maybe if we ever found that video one day just to kind of see what we sounded like back then. Somewhere. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see if we can find it. I'm pretty sure we were talking about Matt Dumba potentially being traded, so some things never change. I think we did, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, but but beyond that, it you know, our, our goal here, like we talked about, we love having our guests, and we're going to try to do it when we can or when it makes sense for us. But beyond that, our goal is to definitely try to, if we can, uh, enjoy another season of Huskies hockey, enjoy another season of wild hockey, and, and really try to bring that perspective and really try to continue to refine our craft and have all of our listeners along along with us. And like like we've talked about so much in the show, if you have a suggestion for us in the show, if you appreciate the show, even we love hearing from people and love hearing uh, you know any ideas or things that you may have. We've had a lot of people that have reached out that have tried to they've tried to join the team, so to speak, uh, in terms of like the production side. Um, and it's not that we're not open to that, but I think for us, this has been a thing that we've built from the ground up and we've kept rolling, um, no matter how venerable we may be. Um, and and why, yeah, no kidding. (laughs) And and we've, and and we've enjoyed every minute of that and having our listeners. So this is part of an appreciation of post, but I think it's important. We've never really discussed, you know, what, what it's taken. I, I think for example, I, you know, we're recording this. It's just after, uh, eight 30, uh, here on this month. Here, yeah, yeah. Here, here on the here on this Monday night, we'll get done, and I, uh, you know, at, at some point I'll probably have the entire show cut up and uh, ready for export by about nine nine fifteen ish or something like that. And then probably by midnight tonight is when everything will be posted and packaged up. And I remember when we first started doing the show, it would take like half a day to be able to get that piece together. We refined it so much, um, and it's all because our listeners have allowed us the opportunity and shown us the ability that we should continue to keep doing this because you know for whatever reason you guys keep coming and listening to us and we couldn't be happier to have you along for the ride but as far as you go nick excited i know the opportunity that is potentially waiting for you here and hopefully that uh continues to uh come to fruition but you know any parting thoughts about uh our show our listeners and kind of the, the direction that we're headed and what has molded us to get to this point again sacrifice hard work um money yeah um, yeah let's, let's 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 be fair i mean we still have a bunch of the huskies watching. <laughs> yeah it's been uh we still have i'm trying to think i think we have like 20 of these gray hats left so if you're a fan and you're listening you have an idea of what how we should handle these gray hats in a way that makes sense and t-shirts yeah let us know yeah we have a lot of t-shirts too yeah that's true yeah at the end of it so it's it's been a ride um we've enjoyed every single mile of it and it's uh, again where you, you hope that when uh, the bike ride is over, um, you have nothing but smiles because although it's hard work and your muscles ache and you're like, geez, I need to rest, but you look back and you smile. That's what we try to do every week. 
yeah, we've had a crazy ride, a pandemic, a national championship game, and everything in between. And we're here for the next season coming up of all things Minnesota hockey. Some important dates to keep in mind. If you're on the YouTube page, you can see that below. If you're on the audio version, you obviously can't see, and you should probably focus on driving and don't hit that traffic cone. Wild Watch preseason. Watch for the tree, Tarzan. <laughs> <laughs> wild, wild preseason starts uh, on the 25th of September, um, as does the St. Cloud State women's hockey season, and then October. First, St. Louis State men's hockey back in action for Nick Maxson. I'm Noah Grant, and never thought I'd be saying this, but hey, Nick, we will see you back in the den soon for episode 121. And your one timer coming, they score! Seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.